you sit and stare at your phone screen. You even scroll a bit for inspiration. As an entrepreneur, you're supposed to post every day, right? You know you need to post something today, but what? What if you had 30 days with the storytelling prompts to give you inspiration? And best part, it's free. What? These thought-provoking prompts will get your creative juices flowing and help you attract and connect with your audience in a more meaningful way. Designed to be used on any platform from lighthearted posts about your business journey to reflective ones about the why behind what you do, this story prompt calendar makes it easy for you to attract and nurture your soulmate customer so they can convert to sales no matter what your niche. Get your 30-day content calendar now and say goodbye to that blank page stare. Go to www.thenickdemas.com forward slash 30-day calendar to get yours free. This is the Creative Soulpreneur Podcast. I'm your host, Nick Demas. Let's go. Hello, my friend. Welcome back to the Creative Soulpreneur Podcast. I am really excited to have our next guest, who is just a ray of absolute sunshine. Every single time I see her, every time we chat, there's just something about this human's energy that is so pure, so clean, so cool, and I just adore her. But first, I want to say this to you. You're clean, you're cool, your energy is so appreciated here that you take time out of your day to listen. And I just want to say thank you before we begin. And with that, here we go. Kara, welcome to the show. Nikki, you make me cry. Aww. Thank you for having me. That was so sweet. Well, I I really believe that to be true. I I enjoy connecting with you always. And... I, I'm mirroring back what you're giving me. So whatever that is. Well, and that really, you know, kind of comes to the topic today that I wanted to discuss with you because you came to me sort of as in a networking kind of way, which isn't that how you found, like, how did you find me? Because you found me. I actually know the origins of this. I do. Okay, good. I, I, I was listening to Jessica Osborne's podcast episode where you were her first, first guy. You were oh, her, right. I think it was like the hundredth episode and you were the first guy she was interviewing. And I just loved everything that you were saying. And so I downloaded your, you had a, I don't remember exactly what the offer was, but I downloaded it. And then you sent me an email video thanking me. And it was like a personalized video. And I just thought that was the coolest thing. So I emailed you back and I was like, this is amazing. You're awesome. And then we started talking and discovered we didn't live very far from each other and all that. That is right. Wow. That's a good memory. That's really good. <laughs> it was good. so random. Because <laughs> it is random, but you know, life is random and yet it's perfect all at the same time, you know? I've built some of the most amazing relationships just on like random stuff like that. Just not being af afraid to say, hey. Hmm. See, that's like networking number one. That's authentic networking, right? Like, because I think my first question to be is, what is authentic networking? What does that What does that really mean? I think to me, it means it means networking in the way that's most authentic to you and your personality. I'm a very like sporadic, curious person, so it's very natural for me to reach out to you and be like, "Hey, I think you're really interesting. We should be friends." Like, that's not weird for me to do. But if somebody's a little more calculated and um, like maybe organized, they might have a different way of networking. So it's just got to be like kind of natural to who you are, right? Yeah, because you know what? I don't think 
I mean, I didn't think it was strange or weird at all that you emailed me and you were like, hey, let's get to know each other. That did not phase me in the slightest, but I don't think that that would be my way. I don't, I don't think I've, I literally don't think I've ever done that. I think that to me is super intimidating. Huh. I do that all the time. Just not like, I'm not trying to get, and I think that's what the difference is, is when like, it gets weird when you're trying to get somewhere with it. Yeah. Like I wasn't trying to get on your podcast. I wasn't trying to sell you something or anything like that. Like, oh, yeah. We've been friends for what, over a year now. Yeah. And I just, I just thought you were really interesting and I loved the video thing. So I was telling you that. And I never, I never I never felt like you were either. Right. Cause I wasn't. Yeah. But if I was the vibe probably would have been different. Oh, totally. Cause I can sense that. Yeah. You would have you picked know, up exactly from a mile away. I can sense, sense it when somebody yeah. just wants something. Yeah. Right. And I think that's part of it too, is that when you connect with people and you provide yourself, you provide value, you provide connection is very different than take or want. Totally. Yeah. I think so many people come in, especially on LinkedIn. Like we, we go into LinkedIn and we're not, not me, not you, but some people are on there and they're, they're going in, like they're trying to sell to everyone else on LinkedIn, but that's not the point. It's networking. So they're supposed to be making friends and connecting with all the people on LinkedIn, just in case they know somebody who they can refer. It's like, it's one step removed, but they're going on there with this like prospecting attitude. And it just sort of is like, that's why it feels kind of icky sometimes. I love you're saying this because I'm new to LinkedIn. It's not a platform. I'm not technically new. I think I signed up for it like eight, 10 years ago. <laughs> yeah. And I never, never used it ever. And about three months ago, a friend of mine was like, Nick, this is your platform. You know, I'm an Instagram guy, right? But they were like, yeah. Nick, this is like a platform that you would really like. And I think it would be good for you and for your business. And I was like, I thought it was just like for, you know, getting jobs. And it confused me because I'm like, I don't need a job. I have a job. So it didn't quite seem like that was my per perception yeah. of LinkedIn. But what I've come to learn is that it is a great networking tool. Yeah. What I love about LinkedIn is that it's very easy just to reach out and connect with somebody to message them or drop a note with your connection and say, Hey, I heard you on this podcast. I think you're really interesting. We should connect. It's so, it's so non-threatening if you come in that way, just very genuinely interested in somebody. Okay. This is really challenging me to get past that. What you were talking about. I was saying that's intimidating to me to reach out to a stranger and be like, Hey, we should get to know each other. Like that's intimidating to me. But think of it this way. Do you feel like, how nice is it to get a compliment on your work or your craft or something like that? And that's like the easiest way to get in touch with somebody is, is it just in a genuine way. If you see something that they're doing that you appreciate, tell them that's a gift. And you wouldn't, you wouldn't believe how often people come back and say, I often wonder if anyone's even listening. Thank you so much. Mm, gosh, that's good. That's really, really good. It's a good. give. It's like genuine, like being seen, yeah. being recognized, just even in a small way from a stranger like that, I think means a lot. Which is ultimately what I teach people how to do is be seen. So that's really interesting that here I am having that about being seen in a way, you know what I mean? How we but all, you're we giving all... them that when you're, yes. when you're connecting on, that's you're, what I you're mean. giving them the gift of being seen. Yes. But oh, we don't good. think about it that way. You, we have to like frame it in that way to make it feel good and easy. And it's like not everybody. You're not going to reach out to everybody and say, no. oh, my God, you're amazing. But when it's really genuine like that, it's not weird. 
That's good. I really, really, really like that. That's a good tip for those of you out there listening. You know, I mean, for me, networking, I used to hate networking because it was always live events, right? And I used to go to hundreds of events, mainly because it was like Broadway events. I had to go opening nights and I would go to somebody's reading and this opening and and it was all this networking. And I had this thought or this expectation at these live events that I had to be on, that I had Mm -hmm. to schmooze, that it had to like do the thing. I had to work the room and I hated working the room. Yeah. And one time I was with my friend, Lisa, I took her to uh, a Broadway opening and I was like, okay, Lisa, um, I got to go work the room right now. And she goes, do you, <laughs> do you really? And I was like, well, I think I'm, I think it's part of the job. I think I'm supposed to go work the room. And she's like, what if not? What if <laughs> you create home base? I like that. What if you stay here? And what if people come to you? And she's like, and the right people will come to you. Come to you. Whoa. See, I like that approach. I like like the universe is going to bring me the people that I need to connect with. Well, because here's what I realized. I don't like small talk at these events. Yes. That is one of the reasons I absolutely abhor in-person networking in the traditional sense. I've seen, I've seen some pretty good stuff lately, but the small talk. So I is, moved I out of I have no tolerance for it. I moved out of it. So now if you're going to come into my home, it's like my home. Mm-hmm. If you're going to come yeah. into my home base, then we're going to have a real conversation. It's going to get real intimate real quick. And if you're real uncomfortable with that, you're going to really leave. Then you're going to leave. And so I'm going <laughs> to repel, which is great, right? Yes. I'm either going to really fully draw you in. This is like, you know, marketing. I'm going to really draw yeah. you in or I'm going to repel you. And either way, I am so good with that. Because if you're not willing to have like a real conversation with me that's beyond bullshit, then yes. I'm not really interested. I don't have time for the small talk bullshit. And you know what? You touched on something that I think has shifted for me in the last couple of years is that I think I, for a lot of my life, I really, really wanted people to like me. Mm-hmm. And I really don't care anymore. Yeah. Being willing to polarize and to to repel the people who are not your people, it cuts to the quick so much, so much faster. And you just, I don't care if you don't like me. If you don't like what I have to say, go find someone you do. I had to heal that. That's hard. I had to dive into that. Because mm-hmm. there was that people pleaser part of me same, and I, that, that really wanted to be liked. Yeah. And do I, do I belong here? Do I fit here? Yeah. Am I part of the, you know, the group? Well, that was part of that whole Broadway thing. It's like, oh, I got to be a part of the clique. I got to be a part of the club. Yeah. I got to be part of this community and, or, and I have to be seen in the community versus I have to be me. Yeah. I get yeah. to be, not have to be. I get to be me in this environment and anybody who is going to be attracted to that will come to me. Yeah, I like how you flip that around. I'm going to try that. Good. Oh, we're helping each other today because I was like, oh, I don't know about that. You're reaching out on the DM thing. You know why? <laughs> uh, going back to that for one second, I know why I have never done it. And the resistance is because on Instagram in particular, there's a lot of those like spammy bot types who are like, hey, curious about blah, blah, blah. And then they're trying to sell you something and you're like, Oh my gosh. I don't know what school is still teaching this, but whoever is teaching this, stop, please. Because it doesn't work. I'd love to get my hands on them. Or does it work? Does it work for some people? I don't think it works. I think those are the people who think it's a numbers game Ah. and they're using the AI and they're using the bots and they're just spraying and praying. 
gotcha. one or two people out of these hundreds. And that's not what we want. You and I want more quality over quantity. I don't want to spend my time networking with like building relationships with people who are not well aligned with me. I agree. I'd rather have fewer relationships that are more quality. So what do you say to like the introverts out there? Well, that's interesting. Yeah. The introvert thing is interesting because I'm technically an extrovert. I'm like, I'm an ENFP and I, I do enjoy people. Mm-hmm. I get energy from people. But I think that's part of the problem with me and the in-person networking events is that I'm, a, I'm highly sensitive. So there's so much happening and I get drained really easily and quickly. And so it's not that I don't love people and having those intimate conversations and, and building relationships. It's just that at a certain point, I'm going to collapse because I have given all the energy and taken in all the noise and the lights and things, and I need to go take a nap. I'm about to go to a really big event, a couple thousand people. Oh, yikes. And I learned, though, a long time ago at those these kind of events, I always stay on campus. Wherever the event is being held, I get a hotel room there. I book my hotel room immediately because... In the middle of it, I get overwhelmed. My empath gets so depleted. I get so depleted from my empathic nature that I have to go recharge. And so in the middle of an event, I don't care what's going on. I don't care who the speaker is. I don't care what I'm learning. I, like you say, begin to shut down. So I go take that elevator up to whatever floor my hotel room is in, and I close (laughs) it down. It may be yeah. for 20 minutes. It may be for five. It may be for two hours. Whatever it is that I need to recharge. Good for you because I just figured that out. I went to the first in-person event that I had been to since pre-COVID, and it was down. Um, it was a great conference. The Yellow Conference was held down in San Luis Obispo. It was the beginning of October. A friend of mine flew in from Argentina, so I was like, well, if she can go all the way from Argentina, I can drive a few hours down to slow. So I did, but I gave myself permission to bounce whenever I wanted to, whenever I needed a break. And it was funny because the first night we had, there was two hours of networking and then there was a couple of keynotes the first evening. And after the networking part, I said, okay, I'm going to go back to my hotel and go to bed now. I'm going to need all the energy for the peopling tomorrow. And she was like, it's just getting started. And I was like, gotta go. Like, I don't care. I am going to be worthless tomorrow and I'll have to sleep for three days when I get home if I don't respect my energy on this trip. Yeah. And that is what I learned is that I would come home. I used to come home from those type of events and get ill, get sick and be Uh, out and be down. And, you know, I don't know if you know this, but I have fibromyalgia. And so consequently, when I get run down like that, I could be out for a week to two weeks if I'm not careful. And so I've learned how to monitor that, how to have those boundaries, how to take care of myself ultimately. Yeah. Yeah. And a lot of it too is just about preserving what you do have, right? Like I learned that similarly to your fibromyalgia, I would get depressed. So I'll give all this energy at an event and then I'll come home. And if I can't nap every day for an hour in the middle of the day after that, the exhaustion just kind of like creeps up and Mm -hmm. I get depressed. So having like avoiding that means not going full bore all the time and saying, I'm going to bed early. I need to go to sleep or taking a nap in the daytime. And you don't have to go to the whole agenda just because it's on the agenda. Yeah, no, you absolutely don't. But one of the things I do love about those events is that I get to connect with people that I might not otherwise find the connection with. And that networking has led to his besties, people that I can count on, It's led to collaborations. It's led to 
true friendships, honestly, outside of even those types of events. What for you has networking really done for you and for your business? I think more than anything for me, the networking in the last couple of years, especially, has provided a built-in support system. I feel less alone in business than I ever have before. And I feel less broken when you kind of let your guard down or not kind of when you do, when you're brave enough to let your guard down and show your soft underbelly and admit that you don't have it all figured out either. People also will let you in on the fact that they don't have it figured out. And then pretty soon you're all having a really honest conversation about your issues and sharing wins. You you know, it's really lonely when you don't have someone to share wins with. So having a really vulnerable, intimate community that you can share all those ups and downs with has made it feel like just incredibly more hopeful and accessible and easy. Yeah. Nobody has it figured out. It's funny because, you know, I I think I learned that lesson also on Broadway in that here I was with the top of the top, here I was the Tony Awards, and everyone's making this shit up. They're all making it up. Nobody has any (laughs) idea what they're doing. Yes, do you get a little bit better at it the more you do something? Yes, but guess what? Something new is thrown in your direction. The wind changes, life shifts, whatever it is, and everyone's like scrambling. So ultimately, nobody knows what they're doing. doesn't matter if you have a very beginner-level business, six-figure or eight-figure business. Guess what? Everyone's making this up, especially as an entrepreneur, as a creative entrepreneur. You're making it up as you go along. And when I realized that, when I finally came to the, oh, yeah, no one knows, it was so relieving. Yeah. And it made me more able to be more vulnerable to share more vulnerably with people the struggles that I was going through. You know, an older version of me would not have said to you, oh my gosh, that's that, you know, going on LinkedIn and like DMing somebody, that is my, like, that's a, that's a, a hurdle for me. I would, a trigger. I never would have shared that. Even maybe a few years ago, I wouldn't necessarily have shared that. I would have felt like, oh, that's making me look weak or that's, you know what I'm saying? Like, oh yeah. Yeah. Like, like you're not, I don't Not have it all. Like I don't... fully prepared for all this stuff. Yeah. Or... As a coach, yeah. I need to be like, the, I need to have it all together. That's such an old school Ugh, mentality. Yeah. And it was also maybe a bit of how, I don't know about you, but how I was raised mm-hmm. is to have, yeah. have your stuff together. Well, at least look like it. Especially like, you know, you put your armor on and you go into business. And it's such a weird thing to think about too. If you like consider that a lot of us entrepreneurs are always pushing the envelope, we're always pushing like our own boundaries and and trying things and experimenting. And it's, of course, it's going to be messy. There's no, this is not a thing where we like plot a, what do you call it, journey, plot a plan, plot a plan, and then you get to the place and then you're done. Ta-da! It's just not how it works. We're always going to be changing and, and shifting. There's no destination. That's what we, that's no. what it takes a bit to realize. That's the secret. Is that if there's, You're never going to be there. It's a little like enlightenment, right? Like we're, we're searching for the big bang. We're searching for that moment. <laughs> we're searching for whatever that is out there. And yeah. the reality is it's just happening right now and it's going to shift. Yeah. I had a coach a couple of years ago that just like blew my head wide open when she said, we we're talking about personal development and all of the, you know, the work that we're doing on ourselves to try to be whole. Yeah. She was like, you know, that's never over, right? Like your whole entire life, that's never over. Yeah. And I was like, oh, wait, okay, wait. So I can relax. I don't have to be like, let's hurry up and get whole uh-huh. here. I can just like do the thing and live my life. 
and know that it's always going to be happening in the background. Yeah, I kind of call that the spiritual Olympics. It's like, we're going for the gold. I'm going for the gold of knowing myself, you know, and and it just- Full self-awareness right yeah, now. Yeah, end of the race. It, it just doesn't, the race doesn't end. It's a loop. No, which was relieving to me. That was yeah. That felt very good to know that I didn't have to hustle. I didn't have to try so hard to figure it all out because- I was never going to get there. Yeah. Manageable, manageable pace. Manageable pace. When you're networking and you find somebody, how do you know if the time is right to turn that into a collaboration or to further the relationship? I think it's probably like any relationship, you know, you're going to kind of read the other side and you're going to maybe just feel it out and see how it feels. Not everything's not everything's going to turn into a collaboration or a really great relationship either. Sometimes I connect with people even, and you think it's a great conversation, but their life is busy or your life is busy or something gets in the way. And then you end up circling back later. And timing is really important in all this because not everybody's in the same place all the time. And you can really like somebody and they would maybe not necessarily be a great networking connection right now. Yeah. I think of a lot of it, like dating, you know, when, when I was single, I would go on a gazillion dates and it was about timing. Sometimes you'd meet somebody who was amazing, but they had like just gotten out of a relationship and they weren't in the headspace to be able to like, or you weren't really there yet in terms of really being ready for a relationship. You know, you pretended like you were a bit, but you weren't actually really that available. I um, recently was going through like text messages old texts. I was like cleaning out old text messages. And I got to this period where it was like, I don't know, this was like eight years ago, eight years worth of texts here. And I was like scrolling back and I was like, and I started reading these texts with these guys that I had been dating. And I was like, Nick, you were an asshole. <laughs> like, I, like, why didn't you respond to him? Like, wh- wh- what was going on in your head? You know? And this bad timing. Yeah, it was bad timing. <laughs> and I was thinking about it. I was like, Oh, I wasn't in the headspace. If it's meant to be, I like this is a very cosmic view of things, but I feel like you probably get this. If the universe wants you to have this relationship, it's going to keep putting it in your face. My husband and I dated for the first time when we were 19 and he was not ready for all this. And years later, he, you know, we kept coming back together and we've been married for 18, almost 19 years now. And it's just, this is something the universe needed for me to have, even if it wasn't when I wanted it. So, you know, networking is kind of like that. All that, that word networking carries this feeling of like robotic business card people, but it, all it means in the dictionary is relationship, building relationships. That's all you're doing. And we're going to have all kinds of varying depths of relationship in our professional life, just like we do in our personal lives. So I think we just got to relax a little bit and let the, let the universe guide us a little bit. If it feels right, you know. Give a little more attention. Okay. I want to hear. I want to hear. Okay. So <laughs> old school. Are you an old school? I hand you a card person. Are you a QR code person? How do you do it? So the last, this last conference I went to, I screenshotted my QR code yeah. and put it on my phone for anybody who was extra technical. But like, if you can't find me on LinkedIn, it's really not that hard. I'm not that hard to find. And I just feel like I have a lot of faith in people that they can figure it out. <laughs> That's so funny. I read a networking book a couple of years ago that was like, you absolutely must have paper business cards. And you know what that made me want to do? Not have paper business cards. Like that is so antiquated. So it is antiquated. I still have them. Although 
I don't, I haven't used them in a while, but I like very early on before anybody was doing it, I way back, I used to, I put my photo on it so that people uh, would know who, cause I, I can't tell you the number of times I got home from like these like conferences and I'd have a stack of business cards and I'd be like, who the hell is that? Like, I couldn't even remember who it was. <laughs> Where did I get that? Where did I get that? You know, like or, or a month yeah. later, you two months later, you'd find, I'd find it in my wallet and I'd be like, who's that? And then I'd have to like go look them up. But if I, but I was like, oh, with my pictures on it, then they'll know immediately. Cause I'm yeah. a face person. I can't remember anybody's name. I'm terrible with names. Honestly, I've, I've tried to do word association. I've tried like all of those like tools, but I know a face. I don't forget a face. And so if I see the face, then I can make that connection. Yeah. The business card thing's tricky too. Cause I'm standing here saying like business cards or whatever, but I do know, you know, the mere exposure effect says that the more often we're introduced to something, the more we're going to like it and prefer it. So I like, there's some psychology yeah. there and I've seen some really cute little business cards get handed out at the, this last event, like really cute little ones. Mine were cute and square, just a teeny yes, little square. Like, like they don't have to be a rectangle. Mm -hmm. I get that. Like you can do you. This goes back to like the personal, like being authentic to who you are and how you want to network. I've never been a business card person. So why would I start now? Yeah. It just doesn't make sense for me. But if you want to give me your business card, it will probably end up in the bottom of my purse and I will probably never look at it again. Also. Remind me not to give it to you. Um, <laughs> well, not yours. Yours. I'll I make mean, an exception. You know, what, whatever, yours. whatever, whatever, whatever. <laughs> Actually, I don't even I, I don't even know if they're up to date. There you go. So I, I kind of I on the film circuit that I've been on. You know, we've been I've been going around the country, premiering my film in different cities, and in the film festival world, it's all about the digital card. Let me tell you, everyone's like I did. I first I didn't have the digital card. I wasn't like, and they were like, "What do you mean?" Like I mean, I, they were that like, "What do you mean you don't have it? What do you mean everyone has Dang. it?" And I was like, "Whoa, okay." <laughs> Back up. I'll get it. I'll get it. I'll get it. Okay. I'll get it. <laughs> but that makes sense. They're like very visual storytelling yeah. people. So of course they want like the latest and they're very much about tech because it's like the latest camera and the latest, you know, editing software. And, you know, they're all about that. And so that makes sense that they want the latest and greatest, but yeah, you know, yeah, that does make sense. So I guess whatever works, like it probably depends on what industry you work into. Yeah. So, Okay. I'm going to switch gears a little bit, Anya, okay. just a tad. And it's kind of related. It is definitely related because it's all related. But what does the word creativity mean to you? Hmm. I think that for me, creativity means bringing things to life that did not previously exist, whether that's an idea or a business or like a solution to a problem that was not obvious before. It's like kind of digging into what we can make here with what we've got. Yeah. Because I think we can get very attached to the idea of creativity having to mean originality mm -hmm. and creative really means to bring something to the mind's eye that already exists in a new way, ultimately. Yeah. And I think of you in many ways like that, that you think of things in a new way and you think of things differently than other people. And I think that that's super creative. Why do you think that is? Why do you think? Why do I think? Yeah. Why do you think things slightly differently? Or I think it's the ADHD. Okay. I do. I think it's the neurodivergent 
aspect of my brain probably. And also there's just this like little bit of rebelliousness in me that's like, well, why does it have to be that way? Why can't it be that way? So I think my brain's always looking for alternatives just under the surface. It's always like, it doesn't want to be boxed in. I don't ever want to be boxed into one way or one thing. Mm -hmm. So I think my brain's constantly looking for alternatives all the time, whether I like it or not. How did you get diagnosed with that? Or how did you come to realize you were neurodivergent? TikTok. (laughs) Which, okay, let's joke really quick about TikTok and how, yeah, I got diagnosed with TikTok. But the thing is, is like, I know, I know a lot about psychology and my own mental health. And I've struggled with anxiety and depression my whole entire adult life. And I've had the same doctor since I was like 16. During COVID, I started seeing all these TikToks that were like, you might not just be an asshole. You might have ADHD. And it started listing off all these like little personality traits and quirks that I have like had gotten so much flack for in my life, like little things that I do and ways that I act that I'm just like, man, I wish I wish I didn't do that. That's so annoying to me that, you know. Wait, what are some of these? Now I'm like, I'm like, am <laughs> like I? not finishing things. One of the big things is not finishing things. Mm. I will go laser beam on something and I will like go hard on it and then be like, okay, I'm done. Like I have so much spandex and sewing machines in my closet from when I was sewing bikinis, surf bikinis for a while. And then I just was like, okay, I'm done with this, put it away. And like, it's still there if I wanted to do it, but I don't want to do it anymore. So like things like that. But you know, I, did the research. I went down the rabbit hole and like, what does this diagnosis look like? And then I called my doctor and had an appointment. And I was like, you know what? I think all of this anxiety and depression, I think this is actually the symptoms of ADHD. Wow. Like me trying to put myself in a box. And that's the result is when I'm trying to be something that I'm not so hardcore, I get depressed and anxious. Well, so many of my creative entrepreneurs in my network, in my community, because really that's what you're building, right? With a network, networking is community, are creative artists, right? And creative artists tend to have lots of anxiety, depression, have ADHD. Many of them have undiagnosed ADHD. And I think part of that is because society does try to box you into one thing. And I know for me, even coming into this online space, and I don't believe I have ADHD, likely. I have no idea, honestly. I have to go watch TikTok, I guess, (laughs) to find out. But being told you have to be in this box, in this certain way, one, solve one problem for one specific person, it blows my mind and it pisses me off. And I'm yeah. so anti it. Like you said, the rebel so in me rude. is like flipping them off. Like the young Nick is like taking out his middle finger and going, yep. no way. Yeah. It's so rude because my creative brain, my creative being is like, this does not work for me. Mm-hmm. And so I will never be that. Yeah. And I wondered if you could relate to that. Absolutely. I think part of the reason that COVID, like a lot of women got diagnosed during COVID because the stress of like the pandemic was just piled on top of our normal levels of stress. And a lot of us have kids and are doing the the second shift and all that stuff. And so stress got so high that I I know for myself, my normal coping mechanisms and my ability to like just push through and figure out meal planning, even though I'm not good at planning stuff, they failed. Mm -hmm. And I just, I couldn't, I couldn't, my, my normal coping mechanisms didn't work anymore. And I really had to kind of examine what was going on here. And it, I think 
for a lot of women who, and I don't like really love the term ADHD other than it gives me context yeah. because I think, I think a neurodive the idea of neurodiversity is really appealing to me and it makes so much sense. Like we have biodiversity. Why wouldn't we have neurodiversity? And there's this tiny little sliver in the middle of this circle that society and the patriarchy and capitalism wants us to fit into and to be this thing. And if you diverged from that at all, there's shame. You're not right if you're not this ideal. And so I, you know, you grow up, be sweet, be kind, get a job, make your path, stay on it. Don't be inconsistent. Don't be emotional. Don't talk too much. I blurt out stuff that I don't want to say all the time. It's a terrible liability, but it's just, it is what it is now. But I remember I called my mom after I got the diagnosis. The doctor was like, yeah, actually that tracks because it looks different in in women than it does in men. Mm. And of course, women weren't studied the way that like all the ADHD research was studied on men because our cycles get in the way and we ruin all the science. So we're just, you know, just leave us alone over here. But my, I called my mom and I was like, mom, oh my God, I think I have ADHD. And she got really mad at me. She was like, I don't like labels. And I was like, are you joking right now? This is the best news I've heard like ever. This gives me context. I have like, I have a way to frame this now to where all of the things that I've been shamed for or, you know, not liked about my personality or the way I operate, I get to reframe that now. That's just the way I operate. And if you don't like it, pound sand. Yeah. It made her uncomfortable. Totally made her uncomfortable. Yeah. That, that label. I get that label made but, her uncomfortable. Yeah. And I get it too, because that pathologizes it, right? Correct. Then it's like a, then it's a disease. Yes. But it like the symptoms of ADHD, the, the anxiety and the depression and stuff, those don't really show up so much when I'm not trying to fit myself in a box that doesn't, doesn't work for me. Oh, that's so kind good. Of don't matter. That's really good. So that was a big part. And I of really my, resonate my... with that. And I don't know. I, I, like I said, I don't believe I have ADHD, but I really resonate with that. But we're all neurodiverse in some Correct. way, right? There's a whole spectrum of people. It's not. Oh, there's so much different stuff going on in the way that our brains operate. Yeah. And if we just allow ourselves to operate that way, you know, structure your business. I structured my, restructured my business to, to, to operate the way that I needed to operate, not Monday through Friday, eight to five. Yeah. I do that. Oh, I can't, I could never do that. That, that doesn't, that would never work work. And And like, why did we, who says we have to do that anyway? I hate that. Oh, I take middle, middle of the day. I go to the gym. I like, I have a, I have a crazy schedule and I like it like that. I just had a a nice long nap before our call just now. It was great. I love it. And, you know, taking it back to networking, it's finding those people Mm -hmm. that relate to that, that get that, that get you, that want to be not in the regular normal path, surrounding yourself with like-minded people. I tend to attract a lot of other women who are neurodiverse as well. Like a lot of women in Ravel are like, yeah, I'm ADHD too. And we're just, we're just like, Hey, you know, bring me all the weirdos and the, the loud women who have been told to be quiet. It's like, we're just kind of finding each other now. It makes it a lot easier to be vulnerable and connect with other people too. When you accept who you are and how you operate and you're not always trying to be something something that you're not it makes it easier to just say you know this is this is me and if you don't like it then I I welcome you to go find some people you do like you know I think I had to learn that lesson so early on because being a gay boy in a society particularly in the late 1980s early 1990s too right no I wasn't I wasn't raised in the south South. that was later that was later that was later but I was raised in Michigan Uh, Montana and Michigan, but small towns, teeny towns. And I had to 
when I decided to come out, because I was like that or death, to be perfectly honest, like that suicidal ideation because of it. Mm. So I had yeah. to like make a choice and the choice was I'm coming out. And when I'm coming out, I want the world. To you know, spread. that's going through I my knew head. it was. I knew it was. I could, I could just tell <laughs> that I, um, I realized very early that I had to find a network of like freaks of, you know, and at that, at that point we were considered freaks, right? We were considered fringe of society and I had mm-hmm. to go search and find other people like me and network ultimately with them so that I could exist in the How world. How old were you? Uh, I, eight, 18. 18? Yeah. I waited oh, till man. I was 18 to come out, but it's still such a baby at 18, you know, like when you think about our brains not fully being developed till we're 25 or 26, yeah. 18, we're still so vulnerable at 18. And I want to say I was really fortunate because I was in the theater. I'd already found this community in theater that, and that was, they were far more accepting. So I yeah. knew I would have some folks, like I already knew, I'd already sort of found them, but it was about like, you know, really to a broader, to my family, to the friends that weren't in the theater. It really was a, a time but yeah yeah 18 a baby did that make it harder or or easier for you to connect with people then moving forward did you did you find it easier to connect when you after you came out oh way easier because it was this this I was no longer hiding a part of myself yeah. and lying I've spent years lying what felt like years you know and when you're young time is so much you know at the fa- the older yeah. you get the faster it goes kind of thing and time is so much it felt forever long that I was lying to folks. Yeah. That makes it hard because then you always feel like you can't slip yeah. or they're going to find out that you're not actually what they think you are. Yeah. And every time somebody, I hear of somebody coming out very late in their life and people are always like, well, it's about time, blah, 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 you know, and I'm like, oh no, think of their inner life. Imagine how, what they've been hiding within themselves and with others for so yeah. long. That's a, massive weight to bear what a weight to bear and it doesn't matter if it's you know being gay or being or anything it's whatever yeah. that secret is whatever it is that you're holding whatever that you're holding you know yeah. holding on to and not being yeah. seen for yeah i like for me i think it was a lot of it i didn't know that i was neurodivergent for all that time right but i felt different yeah and i felt like there was something broken in me that i really like i can't let anybody see that i'm broken mm. or i won't be taken seriously yeah. And it's incredibly liberating to just come out and say, I don't operate like you operate. Sorry. Not sorry. Yeah. <laughs> like I'm so much less exhausted all the time than I used to be. Yeah. Well, cause you're not also not trying to fit in to a yeah. certain way of being. And it makes it hard to connect when you're constantly, you have that little guard up all the time. Which, oh, this makes so much sense now. You just brought it back full circle right there. This <laughs> makes sense to me why you really are such a proponent and in many ways teach networking because of that connection. Because it's really about connection. And that girl who couldn't connect is now the connector. I denied myself a lot of connection, especially professionally for a lot of years because of that, because I didn't feel like I fit in there because, yeah. and I think it was just that feeling of being diff, feeling a little bit different. Um, and you know, the in-person thing is interesting too, because I'm such a, I think there's an HSP aspect to my personality and, and I like clothes have to be very comfortable or I'm just, I can't think about anything else. And so 
getting dressed up and the idea of putting on professional garb and looking the part, I would so much rather be in my flip-flops and a hoodie. And I think when I had to do that and get in that uniform, I always felt a little bit like somebody's going to find me out. Mm-hmm. They're going to see the that I'm not this professional, quote, put together blazer lady. And they're going to see the flip-flops hanging out in the backseat of my car and I'm going to be busted. <laughs> you know, I had the opposite. I When I ran the theater in the, the Midwest, this nonprofit theater in Oklahoma, that's where you were getting the South, Oklahoma City. That's, yeah. You know, for, for those years. I was so young when I got that job that I had this fake it till you make it attitude and I wore a tie every single day because I wanted people to respect me. And if I, if I wore the part, then maybe I'd be the part. Well, I mean, some people like fashion too, right? Some people This really was enjoy... not about fashion, girl. Let me This tell was you. not about fashion? <laughs> okay, never mind. <laughs> as much as I'd like to say, oh, yes, it was about being fashionable. No, it was about me pretending to be it till I could believe it. So where does that leave us with this fake it till you make it thing that people are always saying? Like, like, are we supposed, should we just ditch that altogether and just be? Well, I think there is, okay. It's like acting. There's two schools of acting. The sort of more modern approach is you work from the inside out. Okay. The inner life to the outside of the character. Then there's the older school approach which is more British, honestly, than, than, than American, which is working outside in. You find the, the character's walk. You find the way they talk. You, find, you may even wear certain costume pieces mm-hmm. so that you can find them, and then you find their inner life. Is there one way to do this? No. I think it really depends on who you are. It goes back to that authentic, what's authentic to you. Is it authentic to you to, to fake it, quote unquote, till you make it, try it from the outside in? Or do you need to do the inner work first to then present yourself out in the world? I'm not sure there's one way. That's a great comparison of those two ways of doing that too. Because that's really what a lot of us are doing. We're trying on these personas and we're saying, does this fit? Does this fit? Or we can go inside and do the work and say, this is what's in here. How does that manifest on the outside? And I think for most of it's the combination of both. And it's the same. We in, are experimenting too. We have to experiment. Yeah. Otherwise, how do we know what works? And it's the same in acting. In acting school, we were taught both versions. And then, you know, depending on which acting school you went to, but I went to two different, a couple of different ones so that I could learn different techniques. And then eventually you create as an actor, your own technique, melding mm-hmm. whatever works for you and you let go of what doesn't. And I love it when something from a totally different school of industry works over here in entrepreneurship so you're just bringing this act this acting theory into i love that yeah okay so we're gonna play a little quick game okay whatever comes to your mind final three questions first thing that comes to your mind oh i'm nervous now (laughs) no reason to be nervous they're not that hard okay okay the first one, it's so funny because I, this is one that I ask all of my guests and it has nothing to do with the fact that it's the authentic networking topic that we're talking about today, but it just happens to be one of my questions. And that is, who would you like to collaborate with that you've not collaborated with before? Hmm. I have some hero worship for Brene Brown, I have to say. So like, I would love to collaborate with her someday in some way. Ms. Vulnerability I don't know if that queen. would make sense, but I really love her work and she's 
like she's she's the one my one of my favorite quotes comes from her and she says that you can only connect with someone as deeply as you can connect with yourself yeah truth and that's so just like yeah. right about what we're talking about today so I, I do love her i just read her book because i am talking on stages these days and one of my talks is on uh, the intersection of creativity and vulnerability and so I was like, oh, I got to go to the vulnerable queen and find yeah. out like, you know, what did she write? And then how do I take that? And then sort of like you were saying, take this other industry that I come from and the other world. And how do I meld those together to create sort of a new or a unique take on it? So I've just been reading her books. So that's really timely. Uh, I love, yeah, I love all her books. Dare to Lead was a really good one for me. That was kind of some values epiphanies in that one. Love it. Next question of the three is, what is your next great manifestation? Speaking. I want to get paid to speak. I think that would just be amazing. Like, I think if you had known me when I was a little girl, you would have been like, oh, yeah, she's going to be speaking to a lot of people saying things that they need to hear someday. And that's like just in the last few weeks, I've admitted that I really just want to talk for a living. I love it. And here and here I am just reflecting that to you saying, oh, I'm, I'm speaking, I'm talking, I'm doing, giving these talks. So there you go. You're an expander. You're doing it. Yeah. Okay. Final question. It's a fill in the blank. I am. Limitless. I am limitless. I like it. Do you know there's a, there's a restaurant here in LA called Cafe Gratitude? And everything on the everything on the menu is a, is a I am. It's like the, the sandwich is called I am blessed. I am peaceful. <laughs> I am. And we always we always giggle and laugh about it. But then there's a part of me that's like, well, and here I am saying it, using it in my uh, podcast as the final thought. I am. There's some kind of like power in saying that too. There is. Yeah. There Maybe is. there's some power in the sandwiches. Well, there's like nutritious love in those sandwiches. Well, but you know, if like you want to be courageous, you eat that sandwich. Well, for yeah, because you know, like the, the that that study where they show with the ice cubes the ice and that they put the the positive. Have you ever seen this study? They put the I don't think so. They put the positive words on it and on one, and then they put negative words on another. And the one with the positive words crystallized into like this beautiful snowflake. Oh yeah yeah yeah. And the negative yeah, one they... yeah. Yeah, that's that Japanese study, yes. I think it was. Yes, that's that's really interesting. So yeah, our words, I guess they do have some power. Words do have power. Words do have meaning. And so yes, you are limitless. I love that. Yes. Thank you, Kara, for first of all, for reaching out originally. Second, for being what you preach, which is, you know, that this authentic, real networking human and for sharing you and your story. I really do appreciate it. Oh, thank you so much, Nick. So where can everyone go find you? Well, they can find me on LinkedIn. It's pretty easy. I'm Kara Steinman on LinkedIn. And then my website's karasteinman.com. And a lot of people go over to ravelcollective.com to check out the community as well. Good. Thanks again. Thank you. So go and follow her on the LinkedIn. And you can also DM me at the Nick Demas on LinkedIn because I'm there now as well as the Instagram. And let me know what your great takeaway from today's conversation is. Be sure to like this, share it out, leave us a review. They really do help us get the word out. And we'll see you on the next episode.